Welcome to The Great Book, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and it's June 22nd. Today, I'm joined by reporter Marlene Sokol, and we're going to be talking about some of the issues facing Florida's school districts in the, a- in the aftermath of the legislature's adoption of a new education budget. Hillsborough County is facing a whole bunch of issues, and Marlene, you've been following it for quite some time, and I understand they're not all related simply to what's happening in Tallahassee. Now, even if we're if life were normal in Tallahassee, and I don't know how we define normal, um, Hillsborough County has its own specific budget issues that were uncovered about two years ago, and, and they've been struggling with this for two years, and they still have not made enough headway in trying to, you know, figure out how to spend their money in a way that that it evens with what's coming in. What does that tie into? Is it because they had so much money tied up in grants and then the money disappeared? Exactly. Um, A lot of it was with the Gates grant, um, which, you know, that relationship ended in 2016. Um, And then a similar grant, the Wallace grant, that was supposed to help them recruit and train principals. And then various other grants over the years, magnet school grants, um, a grant for advanced academics um, that, you know, that they use to buy much of the material from the college board. So many, many grants, a lot of bureaucracies that grew up um, around these programs that were funded by grants. And then the grant goes away and you still have your bureaucracy. And what they've done traditionally over the years Rather than let somebody go when the funding runs out, they find a place for them somewhere. Um, A perfect example of this, just the other week, they had a position called the Principal Coach, and that was funded by the Wallace Foundation grant, and that money ran out about a year ago. So what do you do with these Principal Coaches and their longtime district employees? They earn about $100,000 each. Well, Jeff Akins made them area principal coaches, which is a hybrid between a principal coach, I'm getting in the weeds here, and somebody who helps the area superintendent. This was somewhat controversial. Um, One board member, April Griffin, pushed back against it because she said, you know, we're in a financial crisis. We don't know how we're going to pay our teachers, but here we have these jobs that you could argue they are a luxury. And you're talking about, it sounds like, more than one person. Weren't these grants were like millions of dollars, right? Yes. Um, with, with the Gates grant, that was $100 million. Well, it was hoped to be $100 million. It ended up being $80 million. And, and that's the most extreme example because <clears throat> that created a huge bureaucracy, um, 277 peer evaluators and mentors, And it also led to an increase in teacher salaries, a pay plan that that cost a lot of money. The the pay plan still exists. Some of those extra jobs have been converted into other jobs like mentors, but the headcount is still very high. I mean, the headcount in the Hillsborough County School District increased by 
close to 25%, well, not the headcount, let me scratch that, um, rephrase that, the payroll, the amount of money paid to employees grew by more than 20% during those years. And the student population grew by about 8%. So, yeah, salaries rose, headcount rose, and people are still finding a place to land within the district. Almost no layoffs. And so even though Hillsborough County stands to receive additional funding from the legislature, just because it's a growing district, those millions of dollars that they'll be getting extra will not come close then to covering the amount that they're trying to cut. No, and it's also offset by things like they have to pay more money for um, the retirement system, more money for insurance. Um, Yes, there is student growth, and nobody knows how many of those students are going to go into charter schools. So they, they, they really don't consider what's coming from Tallahassee as a gift. It, it might be a break even. And again, their own internal problems um, are, you know, that more than makes up for it. So then how are they trying to resolve these problems? Are they, are they just firing people? No, nobody, no, to my knowledge, no one's being fired. They eliminated one very small department, the Department of um, Construction and Building Management. That was 10 people who lost their jobs because at that time they were not building any schools. But for the most part, um, they reduced jobs through attrition. They move people around. Um, there's a hiring freeze right now. About a thousand jobs are frozen, 500 teaching and 500 outside the classroom. And the reason they did this hiring freeze was so they could see, okay, which of these jobs do we really need to fill and which are not really needed because of low enrollment and whatnot. And so far they've discovered that a hundred of the teaching vacancies they don't really need to fill those jobs, so they'll take them off the books. So they, they, they try to do what they can through attrition, through transfers, and then obviously if, if your job goes away and you don't like the job that you've been offered instead, you know, then you can go away voluntarily. What about for raises and stuff like that? Every year we hear districts talking about how much can we give our teachers to keep them here? It sounds like there's no money that would be available for raises under this scenario. Yeah, that's a very explosive issue right now. And the teachers are, are, are some of them are very upset. We're hearing from them because the pay plan that was adopted during the years of Gates called for teachers to get a $4,000 raise every three years. Um, which adds up to a lot of money. It can it can be easily $15 million, $17 million ju- just to aw- award those raises. Um, the district is uh, sending signals out that they really don't have that kind of money. Um, they're, they're hinting that the teachers, some of the teachers are paid too much relative to other school districts. The teachers are arguing back saying, no, we are not overpaid. And we are due that money. You know, there was a commitment to us to honor that pay plan. So that's going to be the subject of negotiations. Negotiations with the teachers union begin next Thursday. Um, The union's going to argue that not only do they deserve this money, but it's in the best interest of students because you want the best quality teachers in front of your students. But... Anyway, that's that's not a happy subject right now in, in this district. 
Do you know how the salaries compare to other districts? Because I know from talking to people in the surrounding areas that they would love to go work for Hillsboro, but now it sounds like Hillsboro is not going to be hiring anybody. And in fact, we may start seeing teachers having to go the other way. Well, uh, the starting salaries are relatively low in district. It's $38,200. Um, other, you know, nearby districts start you at about 40,000. Um, once you get up to 15 years, 20 years in, then the Hillsborough salaries are considerably higher. Um, in some cases, $10,000 higher. So for a more experienced teacher, you get to that higher pay level faster in Hillsborough. Now, in terms of will they be hiring, um, that's an interesting question. One thing that the superintendent said the other day was, in some areas, well, they're going to hire very conservatively, and in a school that may see the impact of a charter school opening nearby, you know, where they predict that the enrollment's not going to be so high, they may start out with substitute teachers, Kelly subs, um, and that way you hire a substitute teacher, and, you know, they want to avoid laying anybody off. So now if I were a parent, I'm not sure how I would feel about my child starting off the year with a substitute teacher, but I don't know how much hiring they're going to do. And, and much is going to depend on enrollment and then charters. That That is the big question because we're supposed to get something like 11 charters opening this year. And you don't know until the kids get here how many will be in charters and how many will be in district schools. Have the people in the district said anything about how they see the changes to Title I funding affecting this overall picture? Because I know that the district level money will be shrinking and they've already talked about things like the programs that they can no longer afford at the district level because that money will be out at the schools instead. Yeah, they're asking, as with other districts, they're asking for a a one-year grace period while they make the adjustment. Um, The very unfortunate thing about that in Hillsborough is Hillsborough County only recently finished a very elaborate system of allocating what they call supplemental units, um, your reading coach and your math specialist and your dropout prevention specialist, which we call a success coach. And they had just finished a very elaborate formula of placing these, these employees, many of whom are paid by Title I, in the schools that need them the most, Welcome based to the on Grade things Book, the like Bay Times the dropout on Florida rate education and the suspension issues. rate. And, I'm reporter you, you Jeff know, Solichek, so it and it's June 22nd. And now Today, I'm joined by reporter no, Marlene Sokol, and we're you know, going to be talking about some of the issues so facing the Florida's school districts school in the, a- in the aftermath rate, of the legislature's adoption of a new education budget. So they're having to do a lot of very hard work. So, yeah, it's going to affect them not only in terms of dollars, but in terms of what they can do with those dollars and what types of programs they might have to dismantle. And we we should probably remind everybody that Hillsborough is the eighth largest district in the country. And what is it in the state? Third, fourth? Third largest in the state. And out of the schools that were targeted um, as uh, for schools of hope, the charter schools that were supposed to come in and replace, you know, the poor performing schools, Hillsborough County has 12 of those. And that's another shoe that it, we're waiting for it to drop because there are 12 schools in Hillsborough that, according to this new state law, you know, the kids are supposed to be offered a charter school option nearby. 
but nobody knows how that's going to work. Nobody knows when that's going to happen. And, of course, that could come up and be revisited um, later on in the year. So this is just a, a Florida story writ large in Hillsborough County, and I'm sure people all around the state are experiencing some degree of not the crazy grant-driven stuff, but all the rest of the things. And um, so it's a good case study. The only difference, I just want to make one more point, the difference in Hillsborough compared to some of the other school districts, um, Hillsborough also has massive amounts of debt, and Hillsborough has not yet gone to the voters and asked for, you know, a, a sales tax to support the schools. I don't know when that will happen. There are people in the community who very much want that to happen because the level of debt in Hillsborough is another big problem. It's why it's so hard to get the air conditioners repaired in a timely manner. And so you're hearing people saying, okay, let, let's go to the taxpayers and ask for some relief in the form of a sales tax. Well, Marlene, I know that you're going to keep close eye on it and you're going to have to come back and talk with us some more about this because this, this is the story that keeps on giving. Unfortunately, yes. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks, Marlene. Before we end the podcast, we always like to talk about some smaller stories that capture our attention but haven't made it into the main conversation. Today, I'd like to focus on two things. First, the New Point Education Partners Charter School, the founders of that school, which actually had several operations across the state of Florida over time, were indicted, and one of them has been arrested for, for stealing money, basically, from, the, from their charter schools, taking tax money and diverting it to things that they wanted to do, such as travel. The thing that this story really has pointed out is that a lot of people in Florida have looked at it and said, hey, the legislature is trying to expand charter schools, and yet within its law that it used to create these schools of hope and, and add more uh, capital funding money from the taxes to the charter schools, did not include any language that would have prevented what the Senate wanted to call personal private enrichment. We had seen stories for several years that charter schools were often creating their nonprofit operating side and then renting property from their for-profit real estate side and funneling lots of money from the state, sometimes at higher lease rate percentages than other charter schools, so that they could benefit from that. And that's legal, and there had been talk of wanting to stop that, and it didn't happen in this House Bill 7069. Now, with this story coming out about New Point and how they were able to funnel money their way, the question have the questions have come back up as to whether we really want to be putting money into charter schools that way. Of course, there will be the charter school supporters who will argue that this is an aberration, that charter schools by and large don't do this, but still it's become a rallying cry for a lot of the opponents who want to see reforms to the system. I have one other thing I'd like to talk about. Uh, Vero Beach High School student J.P. Krause, who found himself in a bit of hot water with his school because he made a speech during his run for student council president that really offended a couple of people in the school, but mostly was considered to be humorous. The school had disqualified him, saying that he was no longer eligible to run. Now it's been reported that he is eligible, and they withdrew his penalty, saying that he really did nothing wrong, and the fact is that he actually won the post by a landslide, and he will be the new student body president for the coming year. So congratulations, JP. Your story went viral all over the country and possibly even the world, and we're paying attention to it here too. 
Um, that's the end of our podcast. If you want to join the conversation on these issues or any others, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. You can always follow our blog for the latest breaking news at tampabay.com slash gradebook. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thank you for listening. 